I'm going live in five, four, three, two, one ish. <laughs> no, okay. I'm all right. It's live. I'm going for it. Here we go. Extra. Quarantine may be over, but the spooks have just begun. Welcome to Quarantine Spook Show, home of spooks far and wide. I'm Kyle Carezzi, your host. I have an audience. There's a fine fire going. It's a lovely... Tuesday evening. You can submit titles for this uh, spook show on uh, emailing quarantine spook show at gmail.com or following quarantine spook show at quarantine spook on Twitter and also just contacting me directly through one of those channels if you have any spook inquiries, any of the sort. first card I draw will be the name of the entire evening story, and that story will have four installments to it. So tonight's story will be called... <laughs> Too Much Lovecraft Man. <laughs> story this evening will revolve around the concept too much Lovecraft man so if you thought Lovecraft was too much you're about to get a little more installment of Too Much Lovecraft Man is called Slither. That's Professor's 
personal office hours, waiting for feedback on his paper. The professor took off his reading glasses and just asked bluntly, Jimmy, yes, professor, do you read Lovecraft? tried to look puzzled, and he said, uh, I've dabbled in Lovecraft here and there. I've certainly read a fair amount of his work. Well, the professor threw off his reading glasses, and he says, Jimmy, this is a animal biology class where we study snakes, not Lovecraft. I'm reading this paper you wrote that you chose the topic of by your own pet snake. If I didn't know any better, it seemed like you were trying to write a knockoff Lovecraft story. And Jimmy, again, tried to look puzzled, and he just, like, he said, uh, Professor, I'm not sure I know what you're talking about. I mean, you know, I have my own snake, so I have some insight to this biology class. So, you know, I just tried to speak from personal experience, you know, about snakes, about the science of them, you know, what they eat, their feeding habits, and how they fit into the natural ecosystem. And the professor said, well, I could have sworn that I once read a Lovecraft story just like this. I don't think you're snakes from space, Jimmy. If you're going to try to rip off essays, you shouldn't do it on a Lovecraft forum site. This is obviously some form of Lovecraft fan fiction. Jimmy was sweating bullets at this point. He totally did, did go to www.toomuchlovecraft.com and typed in a topic so that an algorithm could compute a perfectly fine essay for his paper. Other uh, essay cheating sites uh, required, required a fee but not this Lovecraft site. So Jimmy said, well, no, I, I wrote it myself. It came from the heart. The professor said, Jimmy, your snake didn't come from out of space. It is not an elder god. It is not an amphibian. That's the one thing you should know about snakes taking this course. They're reptiles. They don't live in a city, city underneath the ocean. Jimmy uh, readjusted his seat once again. He said, well, Professor, uh, I'm telling you, I wrote this essay from the heart. The professor, knowing that he can't charge him with anything without proving that he plagiarized his essay, just said, all right, Jimmy, you just gotta write this essay again. No Lovecraft this time. Jimmy said, well, there wasn't Lovecraft in the first place, but I'll rewrite the essay, you know. Same techniques as I always did. So, the office hours ended. Jimmy left, leaving his campus, going to his apartment where he lived, just off campus, contemplating his next move. He went into his room and started hanging out with his pet snake, fed him a rodent. Watched him slither around. And he just said, uh, I don't really know what to do about this. I don't really want to take ecosystem biology. 
I just want to read Lovecraft all day. I can't get enough Lovecraft. In my opinion, there's no such thing as too much Lovecraft. com. He's like, ah, oh. Doom six six. Doom six six six. Excuse me. Maybe they have some essay forgery techniques that I could use, so I can get away with writing this paper and spend all my days just reading Lovecraft and playing Lovecraft games. I can't get enough of Lovecraft. So I went on Doom... He went on Doom666.com. I saw a lot of cool uh, horror imagery, you know, a lot of fan art of Lovecraft, and, you know, some Poe illustrations, some Clive Barker stuff, and all that and whatnot. Some hereditary fan art. Midsummer fan art. pretty cool. And he saw a link for a essay forgery site. So he did the same thing he did before, not really learning from his mistakes. Typed in the subjects for this essay forgery service. Typed in snakes, ecosystem, you know, all that jazz. Same things he did with the uh, first paper. So it only took a matter of minutes for the uh, website to, uh, the AI and the website to pump out an essay. And he read it, and it kind of just looked like a typical college student essay, you know. Generic, because it's an AI system and it's not perfect. But, you know, he thought it was good enough. We could at least score him a C, and it could come off as if he wrote it. So he turned to a snake, and he's just like, ah, I'm totally going to pass this class. So he, he uh, emails the essay, waits another couple weeks, and his professor calls up again and uh, asks him to visit him in his office, and Jimmy does so. So Jimmy shows up, and the professor is uh, sitting, in the, uh, sitting in his chair once again at his desk. He has the paper in hand. This time he looks steamed, really angry. Jimmy, we talked about this last time. I know you forged this essay. I don't know if it's some sort of fanfiction you accidentally submitted, but I'm gonna have to give you an F. And Jimmy said, no, no, I read it. I, I wrote it. It's, uh, you know, about the it's ecosystem. It's about snakes. It's about all the stuff we're learning, you know? It's just algorithmically, you know, I couldn't fail. Professor says, Jimmy, this is just another Lovecraft knockoff thing, you know? I don't want to read a story about your snake escaping 
and then starting a colony of snakes that try to take over the earth. And it's just, Jimmy said, what? Let me, let me see that. He reads the essay, and it wasn't the same essay that he submitted in the first place. It was a story for sure, but it was, the protagonist was Jimmy, which was his name, and it was about his snake escaping, and then starting a colony of snakes, with, uh, crossing over to the interdimensional space place, the deep cosmic horror where Lovecraftian creatures live, and starting a colony and, uh, to try to infiltrate the human species. And Jimmy said, no, I didn't write this. And the professor said, yeah, I know you didn't. You're failing my class. You're going to take it next, sem next semester. But personally, I don't want to be a professor at this point. So Jimmy stormed off in a, in a fume. He's just like, oh, damn it, I don't know what could have went wrong, you know? My technique was flawless. I don't understand. So he took the rest of his classes for that day. And then he went back to his apartment. But his snake was gone. And he's just, he said, oh no. desperation, but to no avail. He searched all night. He wasn't wearing shoes because he ran out in a quick storm, and his feet were bleeding by the end of the night as he just searched all night for his dear, dear snake. So as he went to bed that evening, his apartment door open. And he thinks, what the hell is that? He goes down, to, he goes to his living room and sees what's up. And then there's seven snakes all lined up, all vertically half on the ground, half vertically upright, reaching half of his height. Head snake comes forward and says, "Ah, Jimmy, yes, we've come, we've come to you for answers." And Jimmy says, "Answers? What do you mean?" And the snake says, "Well, the first of our kind uh, escaped from your apartment, entered the cosmic horror place, and then started a whole new species of super spooky cosmic horror snake. And now we want to." live among the humans, and we think you can help us. And Jimmy says, no, I'm not involved. No, I don't want to, I want anything to do with that. No, it's, it's bananas. Snakes should either be in the wild or be in tanks. And the snake nodded and says, yes, we disagree. We want to free ourselves. We want to live among you. We think we can travel space together. We think we can discover new planets, new sustainable ways of living. interested in that at all. And the snake says, well, if you don't comply with us, then we'll have to get on the offensive. 
infiltrate your species and try to learn all we can to cause fractures and the flaws of your species and then eventually overtake you. And Jimmy just thought about it and he said, well, I don't like that either. And the snake says, well, you have to choose something. Because if we can't, if we can't live with you, then we will live against you. like call the government or something, but they always just fuck everything up, so that wasn't that any good. So he thinks, alright, well, what do you want from me specifically? What do you want me to teach you, or show you? Well, Jimmy, you see, it's hard for us to build things, to build households like you. We can make nests and whatnot, but it'd be great if we had, like, some hands and some thumbs. We need someone's help to build stuff for us. If you can do that, some simple tasks, we can pay you. We know how your capitalist system works. We'll give you fair wages and all of that. You can be part of our colony. And there'll be statues of you as the first human to help us out in starting our own Earth colony. And Jimmy says, all right, well, I'm not crazy about that idea, but let's go for it. So the days, weeks, and months go by. Jimmy helps him build things. Starts off small, you know, building uh, nests and whatnot, you know, then trying to file for citizenship, you know. And eventually they find a nice plot of land by a swamp and try to become their own sovereign nation. Snakes didn't need a lot of space. Usually they'd be on the outskirts of cities, building their small colonies, out of the way of humans so they didn't really know, except for the deep seeds of government and whatnot, because they didn't want the public to know about these sentient snakes living among humans. marketing advice and Jimmy says marketing advice why would you want to know about that and the snakes say oh well we just want to know we want to learn more about uh, analytics you know data collecting and whatnot you know just to learn more about the humans you know to enable small businesses to you know to become stronger and all that to learn as much as their clientele as possible as we do for us and Jimmy says it sounds really shady I don't think I want to help me with that. And the snake says, but Jimmy, we want to gather as much intel about the humans as possible. This is the best way we can. And Jimmy says, well, that sounds very fishy. I don't think I truly want anything to do with that. And the head snake looks very solemnly at Jimmy, and he says, Jimmy, if you won't comply with, uh, since I am part of the snake government, if you won't comply with, uh, with us, we'll have to put you under arrest. But Jimmy says, but under arrest? But no, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm from America, you know, I'm not even part of your colony. And 
the snake says, yes, we know, it may be dicey in terms of international relations, but we have our own laws and we abide by them. So if you're on our turf, you must abide by them as well. And it was true. Jimmy spent a lot of time in the swamps around the cities, around the country, trying to enable the snake bases one by one. He thought he was doing small, minuscule tasks just to help them out a little bit. But really, the snakes were slowly becoming a world power without the humans knowing it. And Jimmy says, oh, this is, I'm in too deep, man. I gotta get out of here. And then the head snake says, seize him. So without much effort, several pythons uh, wrap themselves around Jimmy. That's how they arrest people, going for one limb at a time. They read him their version of the Miranda rights, which was uh, not really, uh, didn't give much Jimmy any weight or any leverage or any rights of some sort. So eventually the snakes throw him in a into a snake prison, uh, international prison, their version of Guantanamo Bay. Jimmy says, oh, let me out of here. No! I have a right to a fair trial! And the snake says, no, not in snake country. And thus concludes the first story. Cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Precisely. Hmm. Uh, now, uh, the second story is called Too Cool for School. Since she started as a freshman, her and her friends would always joke how uh, they were poisoning the food and that she was becoming more malnourished the longer she was at a student at a university. And now it's getting to the point where her health was being severely damaged. She was a lot thinner and paler than she used to be, and she was getting very disturbed. herself of her uh, nutritional pain 
her friend Cindy comes up. She says hi. And Miranda just leans real close to Cindy. And she asks, Cindy? Cindy says, yeah. Have you noticed that, uh, things have been getting pretty strange in the university lately? Cindy says, uh, I don't think so, not really. And Miranda says, well, you don't notice the changes in the food or anything like that? says, no, I don't think so. Why? And Bruna says, I don't know. I think they're doing something with the meat or something or like whatever lard they use to manufacture food. Whatever 3D printer, whatever 3D printer they're using to print out all this food. It's, uh, something's not right with it. I don't know if it's the ingredients or the method. You know, a lot of this food isn't really shaped like food. I had some of the pasta, and it was supposed to be like, you know, supposed to be like linguine, but like it was kind of like off a little bit, you know, it was all like crooked and whatnot, and it's just like, oh, linguine's not usually like this, this is pretty strange. And Cindy said, yeah, I don't know, it's not something I really noticed. And then Miranda looked at her copy of the Lovecraft story, and she said, well, you know, I want to get to the bottom of this. I don't care if it makes me come off like a Lovecraft story, trying to investigate and all that. But I want to figure all this out. And Cindy said, well, alright, go for it, I guess. And then Miranda, feeling like she's not really, you know, thinking that Cindy isn't quite getting the, uh, Concerns. Miranda just says, all right, I will. So Miranda goes off. And Miranda just thinks on where to start, and she thinks, well, if my biggest grievance is with the food, I guess I should check it out. Go to the cafeteria first. Maybe I can find something there. tries to find what, uh, what's stored in there. And all the meat that is used are just rodents. Of all different varieties, different sizes, from different parts of the world. All of them labeled as chicken and beef. Miranda says, what the fuck is going on? She goes to the 3D printer where uh, all the university school food, school food lard is uh, pressed in. And she's looking at all the setting, looking at all the settings, and 
none of it resembles any sort of human food that she knows of. And it's been adjusted that way over a steady period of time. So she just thinks, what the fuck is going on? to confront the dean himself. So she storms into the office without an appointment, blowing past the receptionist. At this point, uh, she goes into the dean's office and he's just eating lunch, some sort of a takeout from a local Chinese food restaurant, not eating the school food, mind you. And Miranda says, Dean, the food, I don't know if you know about this, giving us are all just rodents. There are some mice and some rats. I even saw a ferret or two. And then the dean shoots up and he says, keep your voice down. And he closes the door behind her and locks it. And she says, what's going on? What, what are you doing? And then he says sullenly, you see, we're accredited by snakes. Throughout the past several several years, there's been an underground snake colony cohabiting with the United States citizens. They have deals with the government and corporate powers. They have all the rights we do, and all they can draft all the contracts we do as well. And this university is owned by snakes, so we have to comply with uh, snake regulations. Some people who go to this school are snakes in disguise. thing? And he says, yeah, yeah, kind of. They're in disguise, and they seize unsuspecting humans, and takes their body, and operates them from the inside. They're communists. Yes. Some of these snakes are communists. You know all those communist protests that happen on campus? Some of them are run by snakes, going against their own government, which is a whole complicated, uh, internalized snake government affair. She really spends her time. And Miranda, looking a bit concerned, says, Alright, alright, I will. Well, I'll call that bluff. So that night, she goes to Sydney's apartment. Oh, 
Cindy. And Cindy says, yeah, what's up? And Miranda's just like, all right, this is gonna sound a little bit strange. But, uh, are you secretly a snake? bit embarrassed and she says yeah yes indeed I am and Miranda says well the Dean told me that this whole university was run by snakes certainly you wouldn't be part of that as well says, yeah, that's why they serve rodents in the cafeteria. And Miranda says, you knew the whole time? And Cindy said, oh, grow up, Miranda. At this point, the whole planet is being run by snakes. There's more snakes than humans at this point. We've been slowly abducting humans and taking their bodies so that we can live among them. And before you know it, this whole planet will be run by snakes. Hyperventilating, taking a lot of breaths, trying to perceive this new, harsh reality that she never knew of. point of snakes. Now we're also amphibious as well. We're building a city underneath the sea. A lot of people are calling us Lovecraftian, which we don't like and consider derogatory. Are you going to be okay to live with this and all that? And Miranda says, yeah, as much as I'm going to, I suppose. scales, some feelers and whiskers, 
truly appearing like a Lovecraftian beast from all those stories.
all got together. Sometimes they get together on Christmas, but often they like to do their own thing. During Thanksgiving, it was uh, special. It was when everyone could get together and celebrate. So Miranda was cooking the roast beans. It was almost finished in the oven. Samantha, you know about the snake thing, right? And Samantha said, no, no, I'm not sure what you mean. And Miranda just said, uh, have you seen Invasion of the Body Snatchers? And Samantha says, yeah, yeah. And Miranda says, well, there's these Lovecraftian snakes that uh, colonized all throughout the country and then all throughout the world. And now they live among us. And then they started body snatching everyone. And it's at the point where almost everyone is some mysterious interdimensional space snake. And Samantha said, oh no, that's ridiculous. said, no, don't worry, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a snake. However, you have to be careful what you say. Don't say anything that could offend snakes or something. Because if they know you're human, they'll consume you. And then take 
your body. And use your body as a suit to live among the rest of the humans. It's at the point where the society is practically run by Lovecraftian snakes at this point. I'm still human because I managed to pretend to be pretended to be a snake. But you have to pretend to be a Lovecraftian snake person as well. So that no one's on to you or anything like that. Says, ah, no, no, that's ridiculous. This isn't a really good joke, you know. And Miranda just looks deeply into Samantha's eyes. Like two relatives that haven't seen each other in ages. They grew up together. And Miranda just said, as plainly as she could. I'm not joking. snake in disguise. I don't want you to be consumed by them. I need a human in my life that I can converse with to stay sane. wasn't some cutesy name, but it was a person, a human body being cooked inside of the oven, compressed and stuffed in a way just like a pig would. Samantha backed up and said, oh my god, and it got attention from the football go goers in the living room, and then Miranda grabbed Samantha and just said, calm down, calm down. This is what we always eat, right? I know it's not cooked yet, but once it's cooked, it's gonna be delicious. We're gonna eat it as a lovely family Thanksgiving meal. Samantha tried really hard to keep her composure. She was shaking her head furiously. She said to herself, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But Miranda said, this will be a great meal and a great thanksgiving. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Miranda muttered. And then Samantha almost unwillingly said, okay, I'm ready to eat this. And Miranda nodded and said, good, because it's almost ready. The timer for the oven went off. Out the roast beast, which was just some poor human at the wrong place at the wrong time, being used as a cosmic 
interdimensional snake cuisine. to her husband Donegan and uh, everyone else watching football and just hanging out socializing she gleefully says dinner's ready so she puts the plate in the center of the table and starts carving it bit by bit and then Donegan says no no I think Samantha should carve the beast said, oh no, I couldn't, you know, I live in a, I lived in Greenland for so many years, you know, practically, you know, I've been vegetarian all this time, you know, not technically a vegetarian, but, you know, not too partial to meat. And then Donegan said, oh no, no, you're, you know, you're part of the family, you've been away for a long time, you know, you should participate in this, uh, in this beautiful ceremony with you and the rest of your family. Samantha, Samantha looked at everyone except for Miranda and just thought, no, this isn't my family. These are all snakes that have taken my family's skin. And then Samantha nods and says, okay, I'll, I'll carve the roast beast sits down really excited passing stuffing and pouring on the cob around and uh, some fried rodents and whatnot and then Samantha just slowly carves the roast beast which was a human she'll never forget the sound it made the scraping trying to bypass the bone just cutting through the cartilage Samantha carves it and passes it down one by one so that everyone can have a bite. She passes it to Miranda. Miranda takes a plate. She nods at Samantha and says, Thank you. I'm very excited to uh, eat this roast beast. And then Samantha says, Yes, I am too. Yeah, totally, you know, they went to the gym all the time, you know. 
still meekly eating the roast beast reluctantly while these Lovecraftian cosmic snakes were hanging out among her. And then Donegan says, oh, how about that Jimmy guy being executed? Did you hear about that? And another family member says, oh, no, no, I haven't. And it's just like, oh, yeah, apparently this uh, Jimmy guy, you know, betrayed his country, you know, right when uh, that thing happened. And then everyone laughed, and uh, Miranda and Samantha also laughed, though not quite finding it as funny as everyone else, because they weren't cosmic snakes who secretly took over the world. And then Donegan said, oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he got executed. He was in prison for a number of years. He was a big help to the cause at first. But you know, then he betrayed us and then suffered in prison for a number of years. And yeah, they finally just, uh, they finally just pulled the plug today, you know? And then another family member says, oh, well, good riddance. He was a traitor to this country. of the family start talking politics. They're technically talking snake politics, but it's not something that uh, Miranda or Samantha are really uh, in tune with. Miranda has watched the snake news. She knew the right talking points in terms of, you know, what the snakes would like to talk about, but she certainly didn't believe it. very hard for the whole thing for Samantha to sit through. So she she just sat alone the whole time. And then as the night unwinded, you know, everyone you know, was drinking and eating more and being full of mirth. And then one by one, everyone starts to leave as the day winds down. But Samantha sticks around longer than anyone expected. Donaldkin says to Miranda, all right, good night. I'll see you up there, babe. And then Miranda says, oh, thanks, thanks. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll see you up there, you know, going to bed pretty soon anyway. And then Donaldkin says, cool, cool, all right. So he gives Miranda a kiss, and Miranda turns her face, so it's a cheek kiss. And then Donaldkin goes upstairs. And then Samantha and Miranda are alone. And Samantha turns to Miranda and says, Miranda, let's escape. Let's get out of here. And Miranda says, no. I tried that. These snakes are everywhere. There's no escaping them. If they find out about you, they'll eventually take your body and just use that as a suit. And once there's enough snakes that pervade society, then eventually it'll just be a snake-filled rock, essentially. It's Lovecraftian horror come to life. You always wrote about all these mysterious cities, fallen civilizations of the gods of old. 
but now we're living among them, and they're living among us. Like in a Lovecraft story, there's nothing we can do about it. And Samantha says, well, I refuse to believe that. So she storms out the front door. And Marina says, where are you going? And then Samantha turns around and she, shout, she shouts, I've eaten human meat tonight. I never thought I would do that in my life. I can't live in a society, society where these horrible things are normalized. I have to leave. And if you won't come with me, then you may never see me again. So Samantha storms through her car. And Miranda says, wait, wait. Let me pack and I'll come with you. Samantha says, really? And Samantha says, really? And then Miranda says, yes, I'll join you. So Miranda goes upstairs. And Donegan is sleeping upright, is upright in his bed. And he says, oh, what's going on? What's going on out there? Why is Samantha shouting? And Miranda says, oh, you know, she's just had a long day getting into kind of a fight. And then Donegan says, oh, well, this sounds like that, you know, she wasn't in the dinner at all. And then Miranda says, oh, no, no, it's just, uh, she's just not, she's not like much of a meat eater, you know, she's been a vegetarian for a very long time. And then Miranda tries to pack very quickly without Donegan no noticing. Donegan says, oh, you're, you're packing. And Miranda says, yeah, yeah, I'm just going on a trip, you know, me and Samantha, we're just gonna be gone for a few days, really catch up, and then I'll be right back. And then Donegan looked at Miranda and says, well, you liked the meal, didn't you? You did cook it, after all. It's your signature recipe that you've made for a number of years. Miranda says, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It's just, uh, you know, we're just... Me and Samantha, we're just gonna head out for a bit. We'll be back in a few days. We're trying to be spontaneous and all that. And then Donegan said, Miranda, you're... You're not human, are you? And Miranda said, what? What? What do you mean? And then Donegan said, I saw the look on your face when that, uh, Jimmy guy was being executed for betraying the snakes in their early phase of colonization. You're a snake, aren't you? And Miranda says, oh, well, they didn't mention that in the news. And Donegan said, well, yeah, they didn't mention the news because it's not time yet. At some point, the snakes arise, but we have to be discreet. But a lot of people are snakes at this point, and... You're a snake, aren't you, right? And Miranda says, yeah, yeah, I'm totally a snake, you know. So I've got the black and blue scales and all that, the whiskers, all the Lovecraftian features that uh, us co cosmic snakes have. 
then Donegan says, well, show me. And Miranda says, what? And Donegan says, yeah, you heard me. Show me that you're a snake. I've never seen you in your snake form before. You said you were just shy about it on our wedding day. But I think now's a better time than any to show me your snake form. show you, I'll show you. So Donegan sits on the bed, watching and waiting. And then Miranda just stands upright. And knowing that she hasn't finished packing, she just grabs her suitcase, zippers it, and then runs out of the room. And Donegan says, hey, get back here! runs out and Samantha sees her and she says what's going on and Miranda says drive drive and then Miranda tosses her suitcase into the car and then jumps into the car as Samantha's going forward and Donegan's running after them and Samantha drives off seeing Donegan disappear in the distance story of the evening with uh, snakes and Lovecraft. Alright. Hmm. Hmm. I like this title. This next story is called A Ship with No Captain. Even if the snakes 
took over society once and for all. They knew that they couldn't touch them on international waters. Thank you. 
hard to find this ship. But eventually they found it in the shores of Jersey. And eventually, uh, Samantha and Miranda and the rest of the, uh, caravan that they were traveling with at the time, they went up to the ship itself, spoke to the captain, uh, named Captain Jack, and they ask, is this the place? And Captain Jack said, if you're willing to work, and you can prove you're not a snake, then yes, this is the place. So in Glee, Samantha and Miranda board the they board the ship as well as the caravan that joined them as well. They have to do a blood sample to prove that they're not these mysterious Lovecraftian cosmic snakes. They pass the test, but not everyone in their caravan does. It's very similar to the uh, test from The Thing, where you, if you tamper with the blood enough, then it acts a certain way. But they find out, they found out that two of their people in their caravan were snakes, in fact, and they're eradicated from the ship, thrown into the water, Apparently, they were undercover, trying to discover the secret, secret network of humans still alive as the snakes tried to eradicate them before they can fully reveal themselves, reveal themselves as in their snakeliness. with Miranda and Samantha touring the uh, Atlantic Ocean. They fish to get their food. They have a way to cook it on the ship. The times where they couldn't find fish were pretty rare, so they rarely went hungry. And even though in a typical society they may not have gotten along with everyone on their ship, those times, but the fact that everyone was fleeing a cosmic horror snake reality, that was, enough of, that was enough of a pretense to get along. Though all the same power dynamics on the ship still took place as they do with humans. Like in zombie movies, it's never the zombies that are the greatest threat. Greatest threat. It's always the humans they're living among. Any humans that would cave to greed, cave to their own folly, to their own flaws, their own resentment, their own hate. The ship did the best that they could to eradicate people like this, you know. They couldn't force anyone to behave or anything like that. It would make them no better than the snakes. So anyone that couldn't apply with the uh, impromptu laws of the ship had to leave. You can call it Stockholm Syndrome, but 
Miranda and Samantha were always able to comply, always willing to. They just wanted to be free of the snakes, to live among humans, to live in a community, to live in a place that could be loved. There's a lot of political turmoil on the ship. On international waters, the snakes couldn't touch them legally. They still had their own malls. It wasn't just a random alien takeover. They had their own legislation. Sometimes the snake coast guard would track them down and try to beckon them to return to some sort of nation. To say that they could live among the snakes. Samantha was o would always remember the night that she ate that human flesh and would always say, no, we can never go back. I'm forever tied to the sea. Because it's the only way I know that I can be free among humans. And Miranda agreed. And Captain Jack was a go good leader for the most part. He definitely uh, appealed to the emotional needs of the crew. Not in a culty way, but he certainly, he never chose to be a leader, but he knew that there had to be an oasis for the humans, and he knew that no one else would do it. So he started to get this ship together, get a crew together, so that they could sit, sail far away into the Atlantic Ocean live there, and he knew that he would get lonely, he knew that they would get lonely as the hum only humans out there, but that's just how it had to be, in that deep, cold isolation. to stay together and to stay human, it would be okay, ultimately, in the end. Or at least that's what he thought, for the most part. It was a turning point that happened in the southern Atlantic. They still had access to radio briefly. There were some uh, pirate radio ships that would roam the Atlantic, some for humans, some for snakes. But they would pick up signals uh, from uh, the nations of land, the nations of cosmic snakes. And then they heard on the news that it's official. The ratio of cosmic snakes to humans has finally hit a level so that all the snakes could be who they are and that the planet society could finally be Lovecraftian snakes with all the black and blue scales the black and red scales the red and blue scales they didn't look like snakes from earth they had the whiskers and the feelers and 
they could unsheath their human skin to be who they were as the interdimensional deities that they have that they have learned to become and they also proclaim to bring other interdimensional deities to planet earth as well and if the humans didn't like it then they would have to learn to deal with it about the uh, emergence of this new fully snake uh, society. They would lament, but some of them would reluctantly think that, yeah, it seems like they're doing it better than the humans. But Captain Jack didn't want any of it. Miranda and Samantha didn't want any of it either. In fact, they were the only ones that Captain Jack let into his cabin. They would spend long nights conversing. Not just about snakes, but at the times before, when people just went to restaurants and bars without their lives being at risk. Without being consumed by a deadly entity. also talked about when the first waves of snakes started to take place. Miranda recalled her story when she went to college and saw that the cafeteria food was being tampered with, and that's how she found out about the snakes. Samantha's realization was also with food when Miranda cooked the roast beast for Thanksgiving, which was just human, and she had to convert to cannibalism to blend in. takeover of snakes, and he thought it was funny at first, so he did a lot of fan art for it. But then he learned that the fan art was real. He learned that the story was real, therefore making his fan art real. And then he eventually learned that his cosmic horror snake fan art were in the halls of uh, the government's of this new cosmic snake society that have overtaken the planet. And he reflected on these Lovecraftian deities and thought, you know, when Lovecraft wrote those stories, 
They didn't quite have the same aim as these snakes did. The Lovecraft monsters didn't have any stake in bureaucracy or anything like that. They were just creatures of old that were here first. But these cosmic horror snakes, they knew the long game. They knew to occupy the planet, they had to overtake the humans. first night that Samantha and Miranda saw Captain Jack cry. They tried to comfort him, but he was never open with his emotions, and he just shooed them away, so without anything better to do, Miranda and Samantha just left the cabin, leaving Captain Jack to his own emotions, his own demons. His own hand and the societal takeover of these snakes. checked on Captain Jack again, he was missing. They tried to be nonchalant about it first. Samantha and Miranda would ask around and think, where could he have gone? But they would ask and say, has anyone seen Captain Jack? Has anyone seen Captain Jack? But no one knew. He disappeared from his cabin. wasn't on the ship. So it raised the question of who would be captain. There are plenty of uh, palpable candidates on the ship. There's someone on the ship with Navy experience. Some people with uh, some psychology experience so they could deal with people. And of course, Samantha and Miranda themselves, because they knew Captain Jack the most. It was a long debate about who should be captain. They had many long discussions over it. They lived with each other long enough to know about the ways humans can get together. And they knew since they could potentially be the last humans on Earth in this society full of cosmic horror snakes, 
leveled out an easy discussion. They decided that Miranda should be the captain of the ship. Hearing her story about confronting the dean of that college, they thought that she could be the most hands-on. Not everyone liked the decision, but, you know, that's democracy for you. The real version of it. So Miranda was the one to captain ship. And her first task was to find Captain Jack, at least his body. They found every Lovecraft story in a different PDF. And then Samantha being Miranda's first mate, and the obvious choice of, as such, she asked Miranda, you don't think he... wait... So they go through all the papers, all through the PDFs, and they pull out the uh, story for the Call of Cthulhu, and then Miranda grabbed it really quick and roamed through the papers, and she said, yes, of course, he must be here. She went through the story and she pointed out the coordinates for the city of Raleigh. It was known as the city that the Lovecraft deity Cthulhu resided. It was a city underneath the Atlantic Ocean. And Miranda said, yes, yes, he must be here. those coordinates and they passed them right around the time when Captain Jack disappeared so they retraced their uh, route and they eventually found those coordinates and not too far from them they saw Captain Jack's body float face down on the ocean they tossed out a uh, they, lo they lowered a, a small boat so that they could retrieve his body. And then they 
up to the ship. And Miranda and Samantha were talking. And Miranda said, oh, we finally found his body. You know, maybe he... He wanted to commit suicide. But he wanted to do it in a way that felt right to him. And if he was into Lovecraft... Then maybe he just wanted to get closer to that work by... Committing to a death that was close to it. To Cthulhu, to Raleigh, to Lovecraft. And then they turned over the body, and then Samantha said, look at this. And they saw that Jack's body was holding a note. that the ink was still intact despite spending all those days in the water. Samantha pulled it off and she read the note and she said, Oh my God. And then Miranda said, What? Let me see. And then she read the note as well. And all the note said was simply, I found the city of Raleigh. I thought it would leave it as a, on an emotional note, you know, because that's kind of where the story was going, you know. Well, wonderful stories. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, that was that was, that was kind of a deep story, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't like blatantly spooky, but it was definitely just like coping with the absence of human society living among that, trying to find meaning within that somehow. It was a very dark story, nonetheless. And also the second and last one with, like, the cannibalism in it. <laughs> that was a lot, you know. Always love a little cannibalism. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I guess that concludes... I'll, I'll do it... I'll do it properly. <laughs> That concludes tonight's quarantine spook show. Good night. <laughs>